Good evening, everybody. We are today at 42, 42nd week of our Q&A, and we have a few questions. We just thank you for all those who send the questions, and I keep getting letters saying that how it helped you, how it answered your issues in life, and others who didn't ask a question, they also are grateful. So we just thank God that we are able to minister to you through Q&A too. So this evening, before we start, we will look to the Lord in prayer, and then Pastor Vijay will give us the questions, and we shall try to answer. <laughs> Pastor Vijay, could you lead us in prayer? Father, once again, thank you, Lord, for this time that you blessed us with. Thank you, Father. We commit ourselves to your kind hands, O Lord. We surrender ourselves once again to you. Father, speak to us, O Lord, even during this question and answer sessions, O Lord. Make the answers real to our situations, O Lord. Grant us the anointing and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you would answer not only the question, but every questioner, every heart. Thank you. We praise you. We surrender this time into your hands. Give you glory, honor, and praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So the first question we'll, yeah, we'll, look, we'll look at is, uh, we are told to forgive, but... That's question number? Five, yeah. Question number. Yeah, five, six, and seven in that order, Pastor. Okay, okay. So we are told to forgive, but we also say vengeance is yours, Lord. What is that? I mean, if you really forgive someone, why should we be bothered about their punishment? Uh, okay, the thing is that we are getting our our uh, our context wrong or our scripture wrong. Let's read scripture very deep, what exactly it says. It's Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 to 21. The question is, we are told to forgive, but we also say vengeance is yours, Lord. What is that? I mean, if you really forgive someone, why should we be bothered about their punishment? This is the whole context, okay? We don't say uh, vengeance is yours. He says vengeance is mine. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place uh, to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Give place to wrath, meaning leave it to God. Okay, you don't have to get mad about it. Give, leave it to God. And he says, it's written, vengeance is mine. You jumped it, okay. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then, verse 20, 21. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by... by um, good. Good. Okay, so you have to look at the whole context in which God is talking about. This is a practical uh, advice given. So remember that um, if your enemy is hungry, it's from the book, book of, of Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 21, and 20. They're quoting from there. Now, practically, what is the Bible talking about, about, about talking about here? Okay, it is talking about... Uh, don't take vengeance. There's a difference between vengeance and justice. Okay? You may want justice in a situation. Justice is connected with the issue that is at stake. 
vengeance is connected with the person. Okay? And even a judge sitting at any court, it doesn't matter what the criminal has done. The judge is not taking vengeance. Mm. He's, he's what he's doing is he's bringing forth justice. And that is why you will see in certain cases the judge will recuse himself. Excuse himself because he says his personal dealings with the person or feelings may get involved, which may pervert justice. So he recuses and gives the case over to a bench where they don't know the criminal. Nothing personal comes in. Okay, so that's that's the thing. The purpose you have to understand is it's it is justice. When vengeance comes in, the personal feeling gets in, mm. gets in, and then we pervert justice and we also put ourselves in trouble. There's only somebody, only one person alone who can bring forth vengeance. It is God. It is God. And I will tell you why it is so. If you turn with me to Psalm 51, we will understand this. In verse 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Yes. Go further down. For I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is always before you. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Mm. And we need to realize that if there is no God, if God hasn't spoken, there is no sin. Hmm. There is no sin. Hmm. Okay. Primarily, we say we sin against one another only because God said so. God said so. Like I say, marijuana is legal in Netherlands and punishable by death in Singapore. Okay, one of the first things when you get your visa to Singapore, it is written in the visa, punishable by death. So the fellow who can smoke freely on the streets in Amsterdam will probably get beaten up or go in life or executed in Singapore. Why? Because the law says so. So we need to understand the fundamental principle on which justice. Okay, so we don't primarily sin against one another. That is secondary. We sin against God. Only God has the right to take vengeance on his enemies. Hmm. Okay. Only a right to take vengeance against his enemies. So we appeal for justice. We don't take vengeance. The minute we take vengeance, we have put ourselves in God's place. place yes. hmm. God's place. And the second thing about vengeance is that, is that, you know, in vengeance, we pervert justice. Pervert justice. Okay. Because justice has to be connected with the crime and not with the person, what he did. Hmm. Because otherwise, we pervert justice. Let us say Pastor Vijay did something. Okay. And let us say, he, and in my anger, I killed him. What did I do? I took, though he did something, I took. I did not take justice into my hands. I took vengeance, vengeance. into my hands. Mm. On the other hand, if I had appealed to the law, the law in its own course put him in prison. And in prison, he actually has a change of mind. He repents and he turns to, he reforms and becomes a better place. Justice has served its purpose. 
But by taking vengeance, I cut him off. Mm. I cut him off. Okay, that's what God is talking about. Abel's blood yes. crying out. Yes. Yes. For vengeance. Crying out for vengeance. Yes. He's crying out for vengeance because you cut Abel and his entire line off. Because what he did was vengeance. What Cain did was vengeance. Well, Christ's blood cries out for mercy. That's where we have to be very, very careful about it. God says, leave it to me. Leave vengeance to me. You do not know. You do not know how this person is going to end up. You could like imagine uh, the church uh, plotted in Jerusalem and killed Saul of Tarsus off. Mm. What a loss it would have been for the church. (laughs) Not for the Jews, for the church. A couple of them were very zealous and said, let's finish this fellow off. But on the other hand, (laughs) that would not have been justice, that would have been vengeance. And instead, God did something and turned that man all around and he became the greatest preacher of the gospel in his time. So we have to get this concept very, very carefully about justice. And then, if you go back to Romans 12, 19 onwards, if you look at it, the response is also given. Instead, what should we do? Okay, vengeance is what don't do. Don't give place to wrath. Meaning, give place to. We will read it and say, it sounds very confusing. Do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. How does it? Doesn't make sense. But it's saying, leave the wrath part of it to God. Mm-hmm. Leave that to God. Nobody will ex- escape God's judgment. Yes. You can escape even the Supreme Court on earth, but you will not escape God. So He says, leave it to me. My wrath, leave it to me. I will repay. Okay. And on verse twenty, Scripture says. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so doing, you will heap coals of fire. Some of the very funny explanations of all this is there about what is to heap coals of fire on somebody's head. Okay, But basically it means that when somebody has done evil to you and you do in return good, their conscience is stricken. And I believe that's how Saul became Paul. I believe when he heard Stephen pray for his enemies, and he was there. Others were throwing stones. They left their clothes at his feet. And he heard his voice. I, I believe he heard him say that. And I believe that. You know, your first response is you're mad. And then his anger is going after. But he also deep inside he's stricken. Like John Nicodemus. When he sees Jesus, he's stricken. Till then he thinks he's righteous. <laughs> and then he looks at Jesus and he's totally stricken. He says, okay, if, if I am righteous, then what is he? What is he? Okay, so he's stricken by Stephen's. So the ground has been laid for Jesus to encounter him on the road to Damascus mm-hmm. and that man is transferred completely. Okay, so that's what, so he's actually in real life seeing somebody do good to somebody who did evil. And that's what happened to the centurion also when Jesus was being crucified. He heard him pray. He said, truly this was a son of God. This is also what happened to the thief on one side. He repented. And if you look at it with their words or in action, God is saying, don't overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay? Evil with good. Okay? And Abraham Lincoln was, if I'm right, my memory is right. Because he was a very funny man too. He, you remember he began his life as a lawyer. It's a very small towns, okay? And he was very cute. Sometimes uh, everybody knows everybody in those towns, no? So when they come to litigators, come to and fighting it out, okay? 
to his office, what he would do, what, one case I have read is that what he did, I, I think it was him, what he did was that he said, could you just sit here for a minute, I need to go out and I will come back. And he locked the door from outside and took off. By the time he came, these guys had talked and become friends. He used to do things deliberately like that. Okay, Deliberately like that. So, he used to be very kind to his enemies. And so he used to say that, so somebody told him, but aren't you supposed to be mad with you? Aren't you supposed to finish with your enemies? And he used to say, that's what I do. No. Every time I make a friend of my enemy, I finish, finish him off. <laughs> I finish him off. No? So these are fundamental principles over here. So God is basically talking about, don't misunderstand what is justice and what is vengeance. God has only given justice here. So they are called officers of the justice. It is called the Department of Justice, not the Department of Vengeance. Okay. Department of Vengeance is in heaven. He will take vengeance on his enemy after he's given a long mm. line in tires. That's why sometimes the unrighteous live so long. 80 years, 85 years, 90 years. Unrighteous also live. Mm. But some of sometimes you wonder, how do these unrighteous people live so long? You know, it's God's mercy. Is giving them long life to repent and come back. So we have to understand how mm. God deals with. So don't confuse vengeance and justice. Mm. Vengeance and justice. Okay. And sometimes what will happen is we we will we will find uh, there is a scene. And I have told this long time ago, not in Q and A. There's a scene in Hamlet, Shakespeare's Hamlet. What happens is Prince Hamlet is Prince of Denmark. And he suddenly called back because he says his father, the king, is dead. Mm. But there is a ghost that is appearing in the ramparts of the court. That's how the, it begins, scene one, act one, scene one. Who goes there? Unfold yourself. It is the ghost of his father who is coming and saying he wants to talk to the son. So ultimately, Hamlet comes back. What happens? His father died and his mother marries his father's brother, the uncle. So he is the king and Prince Hamlet is the heir of the throne. Hair of the air. And what happens is finally he meets his father's ghost, and his father's ghost tells him his uncle killed him. He poured poison into his ear, killed him, and his mother is innocent. She has no idea, and he married the, his uncle, married his mother. So Hamlet is torn in his mind. To be or not to be is the most famous line of mm -hmm. Hamlet because how do you believe a ghost? But if the ghost is true, then your uncle is a murderer. So he's totally confused. Okay, So what he does is that there is a scene. He creates a play within the play. He calls a group of dramatists and gives them the script and says, act this out, exactly how his father was killed. Then he invites the king and his mother and everybody for the play and he's sent aside watching his uncle. So when this scene is being played out where the king is asleep in the garden, when his brother comes and pours poison into the ear, his uncle gets up and he runs away, runs away from the scene. Then he knows, then he knows his uncle is guilty. Uncle is guilty. Okay, he knows the uncle is guilty. Now what happens is, then this man runs into the palace. He's so stricken and he's behind a curtain and he's crying out, Lord, forgive me. And Hamlet is behind on the other side of the curtain with his sword getting ready to, to kill, kill his him. uncle. Mm. But he doesn't kill his uncle. He says, if I kill him now, he'll go to heaven. And I don't want to kill him at a time like this. I want to kill him when he is not repenting so that he goes to hell. Wow. That is vengeance. Mm. Now, if you look at the scene, mm. this guy is a murderer and this guy is innocent. But at this scene, if you look at 
who is actually better. Vengeance has eaten your heart away. Okay, he's not looking for justice, he's looking for vengeance. Okay, so this this is uh, what... Uh, so his mother will come and say, Son, son, you have your father much offended. He says, Mother, mother, you have my father much offended. Mm. So she says, Come, come, you speak with an idle tongue. He says, Go, go, you speak with an idle tongue. It's an incredible scene. I'm just trying to remember from 1986 okay but no so it's a play of words he's saying mother is saying you have offended your father meaning your stepfather he's saying no you have offended my father meaning my father mm-hmm. he's saying you are speaking with an idle tongue he says no you're questioning with an idle tongue okay it's a beautiful play of words but this is where we are talking about you should not confuse justice and vengeance these are two different things no man has the right to take vengeance Vengeance is only for God. Only for God. But justice is what we can do with whatever evidence we have. That should answer that question. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah. the question 6 and 7 are very similar. Uh, Just supp- suppose somebody is doing evil to one's family, the witchcraft and everything else. What do we do in such case? Is it correct to store up anger in our hearts for those people or should we just keep keep on praying for them quietly? There are two sides to this. First, when you are talking about witchcraft, you need to realize we have the power to break witchcraft and sorcery. Mm. So that's a different thing. That is the demonic side of it. Demonic, you always have to rem- remember, we have been given complete authority over the demonic realm. Mm. We have a armor protection and we have weapons. We have to learn how to do it. And we are so, so Bible says no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every lying tongue, that's witchcraft basically, you should condemn. Okay, he's given us the power, he has given us the methods, and we have to do it. So witchcraft is one thing. So and the problem with witchcraft is when they do that, it will boomerang on them. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't mean it that way, but if you die in the process, that's your problem. You were caught at the wrong place. Okay, and that happens. You send it back to them and many of these witchcraft people die. They die when they try it with believers who know how to do it. Send it, you know, so stop it and send the demons back, the occult back. They die. Okay, so that's a different thing. The other side is anger. Okay, the anger. And we'll read 6 and 7 together. Yeah. yeah 7 so. says, please tell me. When we when, should, oh yeah, yeah, so when when do we show mercy when to fight? Because in some cases, okay, we'll look at verse 6, okay. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Okay. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. devil. This is this is the concept which in English we use the term righteous indignation. Okay. We need to be angry about there is an issue and there is the person. We have to be angry about issues. Like now, what is happening in America. If you don't have a righteous indignation, if you are a citizen in America and you see the election being stolen right under your nose and the entire system covering it up with so much evidence of it, it doesn't matter whether it is one million votes or one vote. Hmm. The thing is that your will is being subverted. Mm. Your will is, your voice is being silenced. Okay? And therefore, there should be a righteous indignation where people need to come out and say, this cannot happen. We want a complete, true, full, 
audit of every vote. Every vote. Is this election being stolen? This cannot be This cannot. So it's a righteous indignation. Okay. What happened on the other side when the BLM thing took place also, there could be a righteous indignation about systemic racism. But when you turn it into violence and looting and burning, it is not righteous indignation. Yes, yes, yes. It is not righteous indignation. What happened is you sinned there. You sinned there. Okay. This is the difference you need to realize. You always have to realize there was like last Saturday, not this Saturday, last Saturday, there was almost hundreds and thousands of them had come to Washington saying, stop the steal. But you will see there was not even one single incidence of violence. Okay, you are in a blue city full of red people, a red population meaning the sense, but there was no violence at all. The violence came and they were leaving from the other side. So this is what the Bible is talking. You can be angry about something, but don't sin. Because when you sin, it is gone. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give. Because then what happens is if you store up anger and you sin, the devil starts moving. And if you come further down, you will see down. Okay, That is verse 31. If you come to verse 31. You will see that all bitterness, wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now what has happened is be angry, do not sin. But when you are angry and you are sinning, all this come together. You are bitter, you have wrath, you have clamor, you have evil speaking and you have malice. Now what has happened? It has affected your character, your personality. Personality. But if you are just angry and you don't allow these things to come in, you are only angry with an issue and not angry with the person. So even, uh, we know how to do that. We know how to do that. Right? All of us, I mean, just imagine your child does something and you are angry. Yes. But you are not with malice and bitterness with your child. No. <laughs> the child comes back, okay? Even if the child has not uh, changed, we still are kind to that child. Yes. Yeah, kind to that child. Okay, we are kind to that child. We still take care of the child. We do all that. The issue is still not resolved. Okay, we are giving it for time to resolve. And God says, you know actually how to do it. Just extend it. Hmm. Extend. And if you come to James chapter 1 and verse 20. Okay, verse 20. This is what the Bible says. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is where we need to be careful. Okay, the wrath of man, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful. And you will see uh, Jesus being angry a few times in the Bible. You will see where it is recorded. The first time in his ministry in the temple, you see the righteous indignation of God when he sees his house, his temple being misused. But you see him overturning the tables and you don't see him beating up people. Mm. Okay, he's angry over what they have made his house and what they are doing. Okay, And you will see that end of his life also. And you will also see him getting angry in the synagogue that how they have turned the scripture upside down. You have people who are sick over there and they won't heal them because they think it is work. And then he, he confounds them. He tells them, don't you do these things when your ox falls down or something? Don't you get around and take it? So, and this is a child of Abraham. So he, you see a righteous indignation mm. over there. That's what the Bible is talking about, where we have to be very, very careful that we don't store anger. If we store anger in our heart, then we start forgetting the issue. We get mad at the person. It affects relationships. 
it affects relationship. So he says in verse 32, what you need to be is kind-hearted mm. and still keep doing the things. Conversation may, relationship may change. So it takes two to have a relationship. One person alone cannot have a relationship. Okay, please understand. Like let's say Peter and me. Peter did something. Okay, and he's not changing. Okay, now I'm not storing wrath. Mm. I'm not sto- storing wrath. Okay, because if I store wrath, it affects me. It's not affecting him, it's affecting me. And I'm the one who is trying to walk with God. He may not be interested at all Mm -hmm. walking with God. So what do I do? Our relationship may change, communication may change, because things have not been resolved. But I am still kind-hearted. Wherever Peter needs something, I still help him out. I'm not pretending. I'm not pretending and says everything is okay. Then what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to cover something yes. as if it never happened. Yes, yes. That also cannot happen. Okay. So because he's not willing to change. So our relationship may change from what it was in the before, but I do not become hard towards him. So if his situation arises every day, once in a while where he needs my help, I am still kind hearted because I have forgiven him inside. I forget. But he hasn't changed. And like I said, relationships are not just based on love. It is also based on trust. Trust has to be earned. Forgiveness is free. Trust has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. So you have to balance scripture with balance because sometimes people take one and they do not realize what is happening. And then people take advantage of them. They get even more mad, even more angry, and then they finally throw in the towel and says, I will trust nobody. They walk away from the church because not understanding how... Uh, how. And the Bible is very clear. You have to look at the whole Bible in its in its totality and not pick one scripture and say, oh, this is what God wants me to do. It is so difficult to do it. No. You balance scripture with scripture and you will see He's given us an entire way to walk, mm. how we, we need to walk. Amen. Yes, Pastor. So I, th- I think so. Question seven also has the same flavor. Yeah. Please tell me when do we show mercy and when to fight? Because in some cases we need to fight rather than showing mercy, and in some cases we need to show mercy rather than wrath. Okay. Now we are again like now because we explain one and two, we are con- actually talking about not fight, actually fight for justice. Justice. Okay, yes, we are not yes. fighting the person; we are fighting for justice. Okay, there needs to be justice, and when you are fighting for justice, there is, should be only what we call. Righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. It is not at the other person, the personality that is in it. It's a righteous indignation because you have to be very careful about getting the personality involved because the person may change. Exactly. Mm. May change and become a saint in the Lord. So we have to be very, because all the saints in the Lord were terrible people in the beginning in the Bible. Mm. So we have to be very careful about it. But... We have to fight issues. We have to fight issues. Okay, even at a personal level, in a home, or at a social level or a national level, we will have to fight issues. And if we don't fight issues, if if we don't have a righteous indignation, we will not fight issues. A lot of Christians don't have right. They have confused tolerance as a virtue. Tolerance as a virtue. Mm. So they have no righteous indignation. A righteous indignation has to be at a cause mm. and not at a person. So causes are there. 
okay cost aside like david says is not there a cause okay and you will realize uh, israel is being mocked by a gentile giant and everybody is afraid of saving their own skin mm. nobody is thinking about god mm. nobody is thinking about god and his name and there is a righteous indignation mm. like joseph when his brothers are doing evil and they bring shame to the father's name mm. father's name and there is no righteous indignation now you should notice at this this is happening in genesis chapter 37 okay now they already brought shame to his father in genesis chapter 34 mm-hmm. in shechem and and uh, jacob had said that what are you doing to my name you brought uh, if you listen to what he actually yes. says and god has to supernaturally intervene to give them what we call today safe passage mm-hmm. from shechem to bethel and these guys have been turned their ways they still up to no good so there is a righteous indignation joseph because he's jealous for his father's name okay but you need to realize when his father calls him and says your brothers will you go take a, take care of them yeah. he says here i am absolutely so you look into his heart he's not angry with them he's upset in the way they are doing things this is what we are talking about so there are certain times you have to show mercy there are certain times uh, you cannot show mercy you cannot show mercy you have to ask for justice there needs to be justice like even as a even as a parent you have a child the child is growing up you show mercy but when it comes to the age of accountability you cannot show mercy by showing mercy you are not helping the child you are not helping the child you are actually abusing the child because the child will never turn because the child will realize that this is okay this is okay and so you know so there are different ways in which you deal with the punishment differs from age to age differs okay so you will see like with david god's punishment was he didn't speak to him speak to him a person like saul it wouldn't matter mm. because he god never spoke to saul but a person like david he cuts his communication off and therefore he's he's miserable miserable mm-hmm. okay yeah. he's miserable so you have to look at it and how you fight okay so uh, like So, so, so when you mean when you mean to say, uh, don't show mercy, meaning you're asking for accountability, basically. Yeah, you you depending you you ha- honestly have to be led by the spirit in those cases. Like let us say Acts chapter sixteen, okay. Paul and Silas are stripped, huh. they yes, are sir. beaten, yeah. they are thrown into prison. Thank God they reacted in faith. The power of God comes. All the captives are set free. The jailer comes. He is saved. His family. He binds the wounds with everything and all. the next day uh, they are released what he says but they refuse to go yes trial show gives mm he refused to go you look at that portion yes, what yes. he actually says he refused to go 16 acts chapter 16 i'll give you the verse verse 35 onwards So when it was day the magistrates sent the officers saying let those men go so the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying the magistrates have sent to let you go now therefore depart and go in peace Paul said to them they have beaten us openly uncondemned romans and have thrown us into prison and now do they put us out secretly no indeed let them come themselves and get us out now he's actually a jew 
and he's part of the holy nation. His identity is completely, okay, he's a Roman citizen, but his identity is completely merged with Christ. But why is he talking about Roman citizenship? He says, you know what, they perverted justice. Justice, yeah. They perverted justice. I want to teach them a lesson that they don't do this to another yeah, one. Exactly, yeah, yeah. They don't do this to another one. The officers told these words to magistrates and they were afraid when they heard they were Romans. Because you cannot whip a Roman citizen. Publicly. Mm. You cannot do that. Okay, so they were terrified. They came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. Now they are not taking vengeance. Because mm. they know what we went through was for Christ's sake. Though it was mm. unjust. For Christ's sake, we'll take any number of stripes. We are only saying that, teaching them a lesson, don't do this again. We are not taking vengeance. We want to take vengeance, they could have appealed to higher authority. So the magistrates are put into task. How mm. dare you whip a Roman citizen? They didn't do any of those things. So they just want to tell them, don't pervert justice. Next time before you beat anybody, sit at the court, find the details, get the evidence, find the status of the person brought over there, and then you this thing. So that's what is happening. So there are times when you have to, and also remember, he appealed to Caesar. Yep. He appealed to Caesar. Now, we would say, why should you appeal to Caesar? No, you are a Roman, you are a Christian, sit there and quietly die. He says, no, I'll appeal to Caesar. I'll appeal to This is what is happening here is unjust. And you will see that because he appealed to Caesar, he will all the way he will go and he has get different forums to just to testify, 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 testify. Until the gospel reaches the entire Praetorian Guard, that is the bodyguards, the royal bodyguards of the emperor. Okay, mm. but you will see, he's not. He's showing mercy, but but he also fights for justice. Yes, yes. And and he's not looking at anybody as individuals. The system has to be changed. Okay, system has to be changed. That's how you look at that. This thing. So there are times when you have to show mercy. There are times you have to ask for justice. But no wrath, no anger here. You have to get no vengeance, no wrath. Okay, no vengeance, no wrath. It's self, no, it is uh, righteous indignation of what is happening in the society. Pastor, I think question 8 also has the same theme, so we'll just finish, wrap it up. Okay. So, because now we cannot, uh, we can circumvent the election, obviously. So, those people who are planning evil in US, you think God may turn the hearts of those evil workers also? Of course. Maybe, he, maybe not many, everyone, many, but a few. Yeah, not everybody. There are different levels of these workers because it's like the mafia works, okay? The mafia has a chain to see that they, the evidence never reaches them. It's an entire chain of people they use, okay? So it is very difficult to, difficult to convict a mafia boss unless his first rung turns state, uh, evidence, state witness. Second rung, third rung and all is not enough because it has to directly lead to them. Okay? So when you are talking about people who are actually involved in, there are so many people who are involved in it. But they are second rung, third rung, fourth rung. They have used all kind of people. They have used people from the streets, paid them to do all kind of stuff, different levels. But who are the real people behind them? Is it difficult to catch them? Very, very difficult to cast them because no, only, no. So when you look at those people, will they repent? Very rarely do they, they repent. Because they are hand in glove in this. So like, God shows Ezekiel, the people who are involved, okay? But in public, you will never see them. It's very difficult to cast them. Like, who are the Illuminati? Hmm. Nobody knows. Do we know? 
We don't know, actually. We know a few names here and there. But you will, they are like, you'll never catch them. But they use so many people out there for this. So these are, those people who use all these people are the actually what Revelation 19 talks about. The merchants of Babylon who traffic in, in souls. In the souls of men, yeah. Who traffic in souls, okay. Many of them are so far gone. It is almost impossible for them to turn back. I'm not saying they cannot. I've seen people turn back. But those, there are, I would, I would put it across this way in my experience. There are people who are criminals who have done crime in a natural process. And there are criminals who have done crime, which is part of sorcery and occult, mm. who are part of it. And I find these ones are more difficult to change than these ones. Okay, Elimas the sorcerer, and yeah. listen to what Peter, Peter, the Paul. indictment of Peter, the bitterness of okay. God yes, yes. inside. That's how deep they are. So deep it is. Then. I mean, it's more like they're not doing evil. They are evil. They are evil. They have become, they have, they have literally sold their souls over to the enemy to do this to do this, okay? So, can they be saved? I don't put anybody beyond the grace of God. Anybody can. Is it easy? It's very, very difficult. Look at the thief on one side and the thief on the other side. I mean, salvation is possible for both. And both are in the same state of unbelievable agony. I mean, I was, I'm most surprised at the fellow who did not go to paradise. I mean, it's like Trump asking the African American, what do you have to lose by voting for me? The Democrats gave you nothing. What do you have to lose? I mean, what is this guy got to lose if he turns around? He heard that and he heard Jesus' words to him and he should have said, hey, me too. <laughs> I mean, what does that guy have to lose? Mm-hmm. But why his heart has become so hardened Hard. in that unbelievable agony, hours away from death, that man won't repent. Oh. It's past that point. So I believe even now, there are a lot of people who are living past that point. Past that point. Meaning like Pharaoh. Ten plagues you have seen. You have lost your heir to the throne. Your firstborn. And still, what would cause you to go after the the Israelites? Knowing that the Israelites, Hebrews have done you no harm. What would cause you? Because you have gone the point beyond. of Like, like no turning back anymore. Your heart has been handed over. So, we pray for them, mm. but will they turn over? Maybe few. Few have turned over. I've seen many who have turned over, but most won't. Oh boy, Pastor. So question number three. Will question number three. three. Okay, it's a tough question. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's the a way tough it is worded. Yes. Yeah. I have noticed the greater the dependence a person has in a situation, <laughs> the harder it becomes for the person to develop confidence in that situation. Can Do you, you reduce the AC meaning? Put it up to 25. Yeah. We don't want to slide out of this place when we go with frozen <laughs> legs. <laughs> Do you think this is true for President Trump? With God, the dependency factor becomes even more demanding. It is not only total but eternal. Maybe you can explain that to President Trump. I don't think he gets it yet. <laughs> you are praying and God will have okay, the final now, say. Now, President Trump is a different picture altogether. Okay. What we need to do for President Trump is not to counsel him, but to pray for him. Because he's a different, he's put up over, the, I mean, 
how can a Jewish rabbi in that age go to Cyrus and say, depend upon the God of Israel? Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Okay? I'm not saying President Trump is not a believer. I believe he's a believer. I believe he prays and all that I believe. But he doesn't know scripture. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know scripture. Okay, scripture, to know scripture, to have that kind of faith and grow in your faith is a different thing altogether. Okay, the problem, like, let's look at that question once again. The greater dependence a person has in a certain situation, the harder it becomes for the person to develop confidence in that situation. Simple case study in the Bible is Gideon. Okay, suddenly out of the blue an angel comes. Stand somewhere near the wine press, the top of the wine press, and tells him, "Mighty man of God," and it sends shockwaves through him. Who are you talking about? Are you talking about? And then the whole entire thing: you have been called to deliver Israel. Simple case like that. President Trump is being told, "You have been told to deliver America." Gideon at least knows his scripture and his history. President Trump is not a typical believer where he knows his scripture. But he's called to kind of a similar task. So suddenly he looks upon it and he realizes and God allows him to go through that series. Okay? Until he's entirely, his faith has risen to the point that he's willing to go out and fight with 300 men who are armed with nothing. It's an entire process in which Gideon has to go through. Okay? But you cannot ask President Trump to do that. Because he doesn't, simply doesn't have that kind of faith. Simply doesn't have that. So our job is to pray him through this situation that the only thing we need to pray is, Lord, he doesn't concede before time. Because there's enormous pressure on him to say, okay, Biden has won, I concede. See, the minute he does that, then we are finished. We have not, we are finished, then our prayers Everything goes in way, even though God has planned everything out. Everything is gone. So our job is, Lord, let him stay there and fight it out in the open, politically, legally, till the end. That is our prayer. Okay, And our prayer, the other side of it is that we have to fight the battle which he cannot fight. He cannot fight the spiritual battle at all. Okay? It is like carrying the paralyzed man to Jesus Christ. Hmm. Our job is to carry him to fulfill that. Don't let him give up. Let him hang in over there. Let him do what he can do, the legal help, the best help, to fight it in the courts. Our job is to fight it in the spiritual realm. Because if you win that, we will win here. But the thing is that that is a long battle, so he shouldn't give it up here before that is over. The hmm. whole idea. Because every battle that is actually won is won in the prayer closet. Okay. If Elijah doesn't hear in the prayer closet, he has nothing to tell Ahab. We all want to go to Ahab and have a word from the Lord. But the problem is we don't hear in the prayer closet. <laughs> okay. So every battle is won in the prayer closet. You have heard in the prayer closet and you are absolutely 100% sure this is what God has said. Then you can go out and say it and it will come to pass. Hmm. It will come to pass. And once you have done it, you will hear. So the prayer closet defines, okay, and this whole idea is that, yes, dependence is there, but uh, you can't tell that to President uh, Trump. His Our job is to pray him through. The job of the church in America worldwide, the job is to pray him through until this works out. Okay, and you will see much of the scams that is coming out. I believe it is being exposed because of God's people praying. 
people praying and people are coming out and if only you know lot of junk the church has gone through in 2000 years could have been avoided if the church had prayed hmm. the church had prayed okay if the church had prayed i mean if there was always a genuinely fasting praying hearing church and knew how to pray how to proclaim how to make decrees all that history would have been different still different mm-hmm. if you look at history history of the past 2000 years of history has actually been dictated by evil men and not by righteous men if you look at israel's history didn't things change whenever a righteous king rose up yes so that should have been the norm that should have been a, a hezekiah a josiah or a uzziah during his first part of his reign this should have been the norm instead of ahab and all manasa and all the others okay and if you look at it when the priesthood failed the kingship failed fail, yes directly okay? mm-hmm. so we have to take responsibility that's why people like nehemiah and daniel will always stand up and there and acknowledge the sins of their forefathers when the church failed we are talking about christian nations we are not talking about pagan nations pagan nation is a spiritual warfare there when the church failed the state failed but when the church was strong because okay, church was strong the nation was strong okay so that is where we have to be careful so it is not his fault i mean he has to take personal responsibility for only one thing that he did not grow up in the faith of his mother that is what his person it is not that he did not know mm. he was he's, he is actually more blessed than anybody who is sitting here or anybody who is listening to the message anybody okay mm. he's more blessed meaning he had a mother like that he had a mother god genuinely godly praying mother like that who came from that background of a unbelievable uh, revival so that's where he is guilty he is guilty okay where he is guilty that he did not uh, he did not allow his mother's words to touch him touch it and god had to bring him to a crunch situation like this which will ultimately lead him to god that's why it's not coming because there are too many things happening over the usa when the breakthrough comes it is only because the church also would have learned its lesson they took it very easy changed the gospel completely they took the american constitution and made it in the gospel that the purpose of the church was the pursuit of happiness and not the pursuit of holiness they changed it pursue peace and godliness with god without which no man will see god they turned it and made it pursue pursuit of happiness and they connected happiness with wealth and made it into the prosperity gospel and the underbelly of the church became very soft now god is churning them around now they are waking up and they are terrified the church that knows boy if biden and kamala takes up and this is an aoc if this is their actual agenda and they bring it to pass what will happen to us what will happen to us okay like for us it is not a problem we were always prepared for this we've been fighting this battle for 10 years for us this is nothing at all because we are always prepared mentally we were always prepared for these things but they were not prepared so that's how we have to see it so it is not president trump's issue mm-hmm. this is actually the church's issue and our job the duty of the church is to pray him through strengthen his hands and then he comes through and the church should not stop praying the church prayer life has to change january 20th when he is sworn in if he is sworn in when he is sworn in 
the church prayer should be even more. Lord, you heard our prayers. Now pour out your spirit. We are going on warfare mode. Now we have to save the souls. Oh, it doesn't matter. We don't see them as Republicans or Democrats. We them see as souls to be one. That is how. Because what happens former years, immediately church will go back into neutral. Okay, oh, thank you. We answer our prayers. Now we'll go back. No, you cannot. That is what happens. We go back into... Yes, Pastor. When you say that much of the church didn't get it, 46% have voted for Biden. I mean, how did they How did they even... No, that's because you see, when, when people... People, what have the church is at at fault? Okay, let's let's be very very clear. What has happened is the the past twenty, thirty, forty years. What has happened is you have what is called a seeker friendly church. All the big churches is based on feelings. It's feeling. When you have a seeker friendly church, okay, even the songs about the Holy Spirit, and you see the crowds, everybody and all, it is just on feelings. It's just on feelings. It's entirely on feelings. And all the Hillsong songs and all is based on simply on feelings. The worship is on feelings. Any the issue? Yeah. Everything is based on feelings. Because how do you know it's feelings? Because you listen to their messages. There is no conviction. Hmm. There is no conviction. See, the Holy Spirit cannot bring conviction unless the word is preached. Yep. Yep. The Holy Spirit on its own does not bring conviction for for them to be cut in their heart, on the day of Pentecost, Peter had to preach. Oh. And he preached stuff. He said, you are guilty of the blood of the Son of God. That's basically what he's saying. You are all murderers. Mm. <laughs> and they were cut to the heart. Okay, You have to preach. You have to preach against sin. And not against the sinner. Okay, Because we are trying to save the, the sinner. sinner. So you have to preach against sin. That this is the consequences of sin. If you don't repent... And change, this is ultimately. But they change that. They change that. Once you change that, then what happens? You started tolerating sin. You build this huge, huge churches. And everything is built on money. And churches and everything. And you need the people. So what happened is that all these issues that came to the forefront about prayer and divorce and... Um, Abortion and LGBTQ, everything was like the church became very quiet about it. So that 46% will automatically go and preach, uh, vote for the other side. Hmm. But if the church had always stayed there strong and preached against sin, the Christians would know how to vote. They wouldn't look at personalities. They would look at platforms. Hmm. What is each one standing? Because nobody, see, they took about the virgin birth. They took about the blood. They took the cross of so many churches have taken these things away. And then in other churches, they substituted. You are righteous forever, which is true at one level, but not true. They never talk about growing in your righteousness. Mm. So it doesn't matter. Jesus has forgiven all the sins which you haven't even committed. So actually they brought the Catholic Middle Age practice of sale of indulgences back into the church. There you could buy tomorrow's sins pardon today. Here you don't even have to buy. buy. You are already forgiven for every sin. And you don't do stuff like that because that doesn't agree with scripture. So what happened is, therefore the church created a platform where I believe most of them, many of them are not even saved. They call themselves Christians. They are not even saved. 
you're not even saved and that creates that situation <coughs> yes pastor so we'll look at question number two uh, yeah it's about dreams okay thanking god for the ministry that's happening there and it's truly a blessing to our life it's the indian sister from us okay i have a question related to dreams will god talk to us in dreams so that evil or sad events in other people will be taken out of the way sometimes i see dreams in which i see people whom i know or may have known personally may not have known personally next day or the same week i hear some evil happen to them or in the family recently i had an experience like that and earlier also this time it bothers me so much that i ask myself if only i pray earnestly for them will it be taken out of the way there are many other times i see clearly what i need to pray for is there a gift of the holy spirit like that what should i do to get more clarity on the things i need to pray for thank you so much for the earlier answers it is really helping us god bless everyone okay. the gift basically what you ask talking about is uh, not connected with dreams but personally overall it's called discernment mm. you know what to pray for and what not to pray for god gives you that discernment so we need to ask for that spirit of discernment when it coming to dreams and seeing in dreams something evil or bad happening to somebody else i want you to turn to matthew 27 and verse 19 okay while he was sitting on the judgment seat this is pilate his wife sent to him saying have nothing to do with that just man for i have suffered many things today in a dream because of him okay now pilate's wife gets a dream and it's she's tormented in that dream okay meaning though pilate is a cruel and a wicked man so wicked man okay this is his final chance by god still don't have to do it bah still don't have to do it okay you do this your fate is sealed forever fate is sealed forever okay give him a warning through a dream whatever maybe a series of dream or one long dream tormenting dream to his wife and set him sense to him so he's warned before he does it so he becomes one of that person mentioned later in acts chapter 2 yeah acts chapter 223 acts 223 okay him being delivered by the determined purpose and knowledge for knowledge of god you have taken by I'm lawless right. hands is one of those lawless hands or evil men and kjb will put it across as yeah lawless hands and i will put it as evil men if i'm right okay he becomes one his he's forever written in scripture has one of those evil men okay including ananias and caiaphas and all he also becomes herod these are all okay help of wicked, wicked man. man he's a wicked man bible will call him a wicked man because he didn't listen to that dream. he didn't listen to that dream okay he was given a warning okay and because he doesn't listen to that warning so does god warn through dreams to you about somebody else he does he does and especially if you have noticed that it does it to happen if you know that person you can put it gently saying that uh warn them saying that i saw this okay i don't know what it is i just need to warn you just be careful okay but do it carefully carefully because depending upon who it is somebody who is above you or below you 
If it's below you, it is easier than to do with somebody above you. I mean, there's a warning coming. You are about to do something. Don't do it. Don't do it. But above you, you have to be very careful about how you say it in words with you. But God does warn people about other people through dreams. I'm not saying he does it with everybody, but he, he does. There are patterns in the Bible by which he does. He wants. Yes, because he's a God of mercy always. Even to the most wicked man, he wants to show mercy and not judgment. Okay, but you can cross that line and then something. So, so if you're one of the persons who has it, I would say if it's a person you know other than just pray about it, it is good to warn that person also about it, that I got such a dream. Okay, I hope you're not offended. I just thought I need to share it because it could be right or wrong. And if it is right, I don't want this to happen to you. If it is wrong, it doesn't, like we say, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Okay, but if it does apply, okay, I need to warn you. I don't know anything. All I saw is that I saw this dream and I need to tell you. Yes, Pastor. I think we'll look at the last question for the day, Pastor. It's question number one. Okay. Pastor James, how can I find the right will of God in my ministry, especially cell ministries? This is from Pastor. Yes, from a pastor. Okay. How can I find the right will of God? I mean, see, what we, what we find out from the word of God, of course, we know from Romans 12 to the three large spectrum stages of God's will, the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God, or the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God, acceptable, pleasing, perfect will of God. Other than that, what you, what we find out something is that the will of God is progressive. Yep. Will of God is progressive. Yes. Amen. Okay. He doesn't tell you everything. And sometimes he won't tell you most of the things if you haven't obeyed the first thing. Okay. There are stages. God hasn't revealed, even to his own son, he didn't reveal the entire will. Why did he agonize in the garden of Gethsemane and not before that? I believe it's not being revealed. I see. I believe he was perfectly man and perfectly God. But when he became perfectly man, he emptied himself. And one of the things I believe he emptied was that, I trust you, Dad, completely. You just have to reveal to me as I go by. As I go, as I go by. So I believe the Father is revealing. Because Jesus is the model of our life. So Jesus is the first man who lives his life out completely by faith. Hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, if you trust somebody completely and he's in control of your life, you don't need to know everything. He just has to tell you as time goes by. So this is the will of God. Like, no, God's will is progressive. It's progressive. Like if you look at Elijah, this is what God told him. Go and tell Ahab. Okay, in the beginning, he didn't tell him three and a half years and all. That we know later by hindsight is yes. 2020 vision. We know everything three and a half years because he told it and it is written twice. We know it three and a half years. In the beginning, he doesn't say that. He only says when the word of the Lord comes out of my mouth and he himself doesn't know when it is coming. <laughs> okay. Then he is told, go to Kerith. And he said, Kerith. He's not told, he's not told beforehand he will go to Zarephath and a poor widow. Nothing he knows. Okay, so you will realize. Okay, I believe he does not know anything about Mukavala at Mount Carmel and all. He has no clue about any of these things. This is all stage by stage. Because if you were to tell him when he is praying, this is what you need to go tell. And after three and a half year, years, you need to go up to the mountain and I will send all the prophets. Well, he says, I am not going. I am not going. Because he is not ready for it. He 
is not ready for it. Okay, So, God does not reveal his entire will to us because we are not ready for it. We are not ready for it. So, he prepares us, prepares us, prepares us in stages and as we get ready, he keeps on revealing his will. Okay, So, when you begin a church or a ministry, he may give you an overall vision. Okay, but the specifics he gives you as you go, as you go and how you work it out. Okay, as you go, he will keep on revealing. You would like to, but it's like the curiosity of a child. Mm. Okay, curiosity of a child. The problem is with a child, like you know, the child you, you, the child opens the gift pack and finds a remote car and wow, 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 two days it is only. Third day you can't find the car. Where is the car? I don't know. Then you look at the bed, it is three pieces. Vision is gone, dream is gone, everything is gone. And we are like that. If God were to tell you, this is my vision for you for the life, two days later, we are all excited. After that, it's gone. So many it's people gone. like that. Mm-hmm. Because so many are like that. Because mm-hmm. we haven't even grown to able to handle that vision. Have it grown. So God shows us. Okay. So there is a will. Okay. And grows. And we should only grow that way. Okay. We should only grow that way. Yeah. We shouldn't grow too fast because we cannot. Even in Israel, he tells that. Right. I will not give you the land in one. Yes. You have to fight little by little by little. Otherwise, you won't be able to handle it. You won't be able to handle it. Mm. Okay? And the only one I know in the Bible who exploded was Paul. So, Paul had to be given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan, so that he wouldn't get proud. Mm. Because his was the most successful ministry, if you look in spiritual terms. Because I believe he ran like, uh, like he was trying to catch up with Christ. In his running. And he ran, he ran really, really well. Really. And he had an unfair advantage, if you want to look at it, compared to all the other apostles, because he knew the Torah. Hmm. When it came to the law, he was blameless. He knew the law. Mm-hmm. And because therefore, when God showed him the spirit of the law, he understood it completely. Absolutely. And he ran his race well, but then God protected him. He says, you know what? You got revelations beyond description. And I don't want you to fall because of that. Therefore, I am going to keep you humble by giving you a permanent mark in your body. Whatever it was, we don't know. And we know it was a messenger from Satan. Though the word of God is there, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. They shall by no means harm you. This guy couldn't get rid of this one thing, (laughs) which was demonic. (laughs) It's a very humiliating thing. You're a deliverance minister and one demon doesn't leave you. It's a very humiliating thing, okay? I'm telling you, okay? Your job is deliverance. You cast out demons left, right, but one fellow is sitting on your shoulder all the time. And watching you deliver. (laughs) And watching you deliver. You can't deliver this fellow. Everyone is being delivered, but this fellow won't leave. It's said as a messenger of Satan. What it was, we do not know. And I see that with all, if you're in history, Men of God, great men of God. God allowed them one fault in their life. God used them like crazy. They were incredible like Moses. The man of God. But he had an issue with temper. And God allowed it. God could have dealt with it before. I know you got temper problem, Moses. Okay, you got a temper problem. Better deal with it, okay? Because otherwise you won't end it in the promised land. He didn't do that. He left it there. He left it there. No? So everybody you will see had one one little problem was there. And God left it over there with his great men. So that, you know, so that uh, it wouldn't cause them to fall the way Satan fell. Because the greatest, like you talk about youthful lust, okay, that's um, one thing. And we talk about adult lust, mm. so there's no such term. But the adult lust, the greatest danger when you grow older and get established in any sphere in life is pride. 
And pride is the most dangerous thing because then you cannot be counseled anymore. Cannot be counseled anymore. Mm-hmm. You won't hear anybody's. You won't hear anybody. And that's the greatest danger for a spiritual man or woman. You cannot be counseled. You're a law unto yourself. And that's what happened to Saul. You couldn't talk to him. But you could talk to Peter. You could talk to David. David. Mm-hmm. You couldn't talk to Solomon. Either. Yep. You couldn't talk to Solomon. You couldn't talk to Saul. Saul. And you could you could talk to David. Yet three, all three were anointed by the same oil. Mm. They were anointed by the same spirit. But one guy you could talk to. The other two have reached a point. Nobody could talk to them. You could talk to them. So if you look at David's life, you always had a prophetic voice in his life until his last day. Yep. You could yes, there was always a seer in his life. God spoke to him directly and God spoke to him through seers too. He had a Samuel, he had a Nathan, he had a God. God. He had people. But you realize there's no point sending a seer to Saul's life. You won't listen. And at the end you will see there's nobody to speak to Solomon's life. Okay. These are the dangers. So when you're talking about the will of God, you first have to go back and say, what did God tell you in the beginning? What did God, let's let's talk it up, it's a house church or a cell ministry. What did God, because when you started something, it must have been something by which God spoke to you. What did God tell you? And have you been faithful to what God told you? Told you, before you can go to the next level, to the next level, to the next level, no? And that's how we hear. If you have not been faithful to the first thing, you cannot move to the second one. You cannot move to the second one and to the third one. So that is where we have to be. You know, that's how you find. You know, you, perfect will is a journey. Perfect mm. will is a journey, and nobody reaches there, what uh, automatically or very fast. I'm not saying that you cannot reach there fast, but how much are you willing to die to the flesh to reach there fast? When Paul made mistakes, if you look at the records in the book of Acts, he also goofed up big time. Quite a few times he made big goof ups. Okay, because I thought I thought in his he was overzealous. Mm. He was overzealous. Okay, and therefore he didn't wait to listen, to hear, to ask. So God teaches us through that. I mean, in one of those cases, if I'm right, he had to uh, like reverse. If he had a car, he had to go in reverse on a narrow lane for hundreds and hundreds of miles because he went overshot. And God says, you need to go there. You need to go in the other direction. Because in his zeal, he took off without asking, am I supposed to go here or not? Okay, we can. But all that is forgiven by God. God would prefer an overzealous character than a mm-hmm. fellow who sits in the armchair and does nothing. Okay, that's fine. I mean, at least it is for the right reason yes. he's being zealous. That's better than to do nothing. More zeal. Yes, Pastor Vijay. I think that's. We shall stop there. For eight o'clock, yes. And we shall be in the house of the Lord tomorrow. Service begins at nine. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all the questions and all the children who asked your servants, your children, wherever, whichever part of the world, and all those who are listening. I pray they answers also were answered. Questions also un. Unasked questions were answered. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. And then once again, Lord, we pray for our church here, your people here. Pray that you would bless them. They would prepare their hearts and their minds for tomorrow's service. They wouldn't take it lightly. They have heard it over and over again. They would prepare their hearts to come to church to hear you speak, Lord, to worship you. 
They prepare themselves, Lord. Oh, Father. Even in the Old Testament, a day of preparation was there before the Sabbath, Lord. And I pray they would prepare themselves quietly. And then you would speak to them tomorrow, Lord. In U.S., it's a day. And I pray your hand would rest upon all your servants there, Lord. Give them wisdom, discernment, and protection, Lord. How to go about to do the things they have to do today, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. So you all go back home. Reach us all home safely. By faith, we receive your rest. And we will operate from your rest, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.